Well, again, I want to welcome you here to Big Valley Grace Community Church here on the Modesto campus in the Worship Center. Welcome to everybody who is in the cafe as well as everyone who's watching online. My name is Joel, and I bring greetings from our series campus. And Pastor Rick and I swapped places today. And so he is in series, and I'm here and excited to be with you. If you're here for the very first time, we're glad that you're here today. Welcome. And we're excited for you to be with us. And we're finishing up our series called Renewing Your Marriage. And this is our fourth week uh, today, and we're finishing it up. And, And in this series, we have been following a couple through video. And we're going to continue to do that today. And so you can turn your attention to the screens. We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis share for each other. We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. And I'm going to crush it at being a husband. Happy anniversary, babe. Great idea coming here. It's been an amazing year. It sure has. <laughs> Wait, you do gifts on your anniversary? Why did nobody tell me this? Did he forget my gift? Quick, say something. I also ordered you a gift. It has not gotten here yet. <laughs> I have a feeling I know what it is. I mean, I've been hinting pretty heavily. Absolutely no idea. So, um, there's been something I've been wanting to talk to you about. Uh-oh. She caught me using the decorative soaps again. Have you, uh, thought about us? Having a baby? Kids, we just got married. Are you serious? I can't create a human. Yep, he's totally freaking out right now. Uh, crying, mess, noise, poop. Lots of poop. Honey. Yes. <laughs> what? Um, I'm ready to think about ha- having the conversation. Why don't you open your gift? Okay. <laughs> what? We made a baby. You're pregnant. Yeah, I'm so pregnant. Oh, um, like how much? Like 100%. Oh. Like all the way pregnant. It's going to be a boy. He's going to be awesome. He's going to play football. It's going to be a girl. She's going to be my best friend. I'm going to teach him how to build stuff. She's going to do ballet. Throw stuff. Shopping. Break stuff. Theater. Burn stuff. Mommy's little princess. He's going to be my little buddy. We're having a baby. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) We're going to crush parenting. I'm going to crush it at being a dad. Cheers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is going to need to be decaf. Is that a... Is that a pregnant thing? Oh, you know, it's the true stuff that's the funniest. I, I, I really relate to these videos. I, I really relate to the two moments that collided in that video. I, I remember uh, uh, celebrating an anniversary and learning that you're supposed to exchange gifts. It was super kind of my wife to teach me that. <laughs> I also remember... The moment I was 20 years old, I was working for a mechanical engineering firm here in town, designing fire safety systems, and I came home. We used to live right off of Rumble and Carver in the Davis High neighborhood, and I came home for lunch, and I'm making a sandwich, and my wife tells me the big news, that she is pregnant. And I, right then, dropped to my knees in holy worship and prayer and adoration and Actually, I didn't do any of that. I may, I may have just completely freaked out in that moment. I may also have said one or two or seven very inappropriate words in the kitchen. And I said, you can't tell me something like that while I'm making a sandwich, right? 
Like I had, I had no idea what to do in that moment. I went back to my place of work and at my you know, drafting desk, I stared at the computer screen for the rest of the entire day and all I could think about was, how did this happen? <laughs> and so now you're, in, you're, you're married and, and you've got, you got parenting stuff going on and you've got schedules and budgets and, and it all can lead to a place to at some moments it feels like it's just very overwhelming. And as my wife and I, we've been married now for 20 years, we've had seasons where, thank you, thank you for that clap. Uh, we have seasons uh, of, of times when it has been overwhelming. It's been part of, part of the gig. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are in a place where it is overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. Or relationships are overwhelming. I don't know. But I do know this. The reason that we're doing this series, the reason we're going to get into God's word today is because we've got some goals we want to accomplish. And we want one of those things is we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you with wherever it is that you are in your life, encourage you in Christ. And we want to point to where hope is, and hope is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. And we want to clearly have Jesus be the one who is exalted today, and for our attention to be drawn to him. But we also want to challenge, we want to challenge you. That wherever it is that God is calling you to, that you would take a step in the direction that he is calling you to. That you would move according to his will in your life. And so we hope that today that you're encouraged, that you see hope in Christ, and that you're challenged in following him. And whatever the next step is he has for you. And it brings us to a question of what is the target What's the target for marriage? What is the ideal? What's the goal? What are we shooting for? What are we aiming for? And I propose to you today that the answer to that, the solution for that, it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It is found in Jesus Christ and in the way that he models relationship. And if you pull out your notes, you'll see that the very first thing on that is this statement, that I can see the ideal for marriage in the ways that Jesus models relationship. I would encourage you to use your notes, the printed notes that you have. I think it'll be very helpful for you as we walk through a passage. Um, we're going to address a lot of things, and it's, it's outlined for you there. I think it'll be a good tool for you as we walk through this passage. But that together we would say, I can see the ideal for marriage in the ways that Christ models relationship. Now, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for the majority of our time today. We're going to start in one passage uh, right before that. But before we get into the text, I just want to bow and humble ourselves before the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, we seek you today. And God, we ask for you in your presence, in your glory, in your work, in your action. God, your spirit, your life, and your truth. God, would it would it move and change us as individuals? Would it, would it work in us in our relationships? God, would it, would it change us as a church? Lord, would you and your activity change us? And so we want to submit ourselves to you. We want to humble ourselves before you. And God asks that as we get into your word, would it work mightily and powerfully in our lives? And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen, amen. amen. 
The first passage that we're going to look at today, as we want to see the ideal for marriage in the ways that Christ models relationship, is in John chapter 5. And we're going to look at this verse, and then we're going to hop into Ephesians chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, we see something really remarkable. We see how Jesus, who is the Son of God, is in relationship with God the Father. And we see how this relationship works. And it says this in verse 19, John chapter 5. So Jesus said to them, those he was speaking to, Truly, truly, I say to you that the Son, that's Jesus, can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. We learn so much in these verses right here. We see here that Jesus is not isolated. Jesus is not on his own doing his own thing. He says, I can do nothing, the Son can do nothing on his own accord. But what Jesus is doing is he is watching what the Father is doing. So the Son of God is watching what God the Father is doing. And he says, I do what I see the Father doing. I don't do anything in isolation on my own accord, but I do what I see the Father doing. So for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So there is a modeling and a mirroring that is happening here in the relationship between Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father. And it is based out of the love that God the Father has for God the Son, and which is why in verse 20 it says, for the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. It's incredible. It's incredible to view into this relationship between the Son and the Father and to see how this relationship actually plays itself out. And we see Jesus submitting himself willingly to the action, the imitation, the mirroring The duplication of what the Father's actions are. And so what he sees the Father doing, he does himself. And so this is way number one. This leads us to the first way that we see Jesus modeling in relationship. And that is that Jesus models willing submission to the Father. This is way number one. Jesus models willing submission to the Father. And it asks us this question then, how does this impact marriage? Well, it impacts marriage in a remarkable way. It actually impacts all of our life in a remarkable way. The passage we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 5, it addresses marriage. It addresses wives. It addresses husbands. It actually addresses the church also. It addresses the, the relationships we have with each other. The context addresses a whole lot more relationships. But the The goal of this passage is not to exalt marriage. It is to exalt Jesus Christ. The goal of this passage is to exalt and show and give glory to Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished. It is very important. It is really important that as we look at this passage together, we keep in mind that the point of this passage is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. So that as we see what's in this passage, we understand it is all there for the reason of the glory of Jesus Christ. And so, 
We'll begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. How does it impact marriage that Jesus has modeled for us willing submission to the Father? Here we go. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So we're taking half of this section, and then we'll, we'll address the next half. But in this first half, it deals with Jesus has modeled willing submission to the Father, and it, it begs the question, will we follow after what Jesus has modeled. And if we choose to follow after what Jesus has modeled in willing submission to the Father, it is going to impact our life in a remarkable way. It will impact our relationships in an enormous way. In fact, it'll impact much more than what we're going to talk about today. In fact, the passage that we just read, it addresses more than what we'll even address today. But we are going to pull out a number of things and look at it about how it impacts our life when we live in willing submission to the Father. And so this is 1A in your notes. When we live in willing submission to the Father, it impacts our actions, it impacts our time, and it impacts our decisions. We see this in 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. And so the manner of life, the actions that you take, when you're living in submission to the Father, it changes how you act. It changes your time, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. When you live in willing submission to the Father, it impacts the way you spend your time and what you do with your minutes. It impacts your decision-making. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That you would say, okay, God, in the decisions that I make, how can I be submissive to the Father in the decisions that I am making today? Incredible impact. You know, my wife and I have employed a tool. It's a tool that I share with you now in hopes that it would be a blessing to you and an encouragement to you. And the tool is is that we have made a distinction between a date and a business meeting. The date is for the purpose of love and growing in love for one another, and there's uh, romantic things that are involved in a date and learning how to communicate with one another and really just growing in learning about each other. I continue to learn more and more about my wife every time we go on a date. We usually go on a date Fridays at noon, because there are trained educators watching our children at that moment. <laughs> and so we say Friday at noon's a pretty good time. And so we have our date 
Fridays at noon. But we distinguish that between a business meeting. Business meetings usually happen late at night, they're after the kids have gone to bed, and we talk about priorities, and we talk about scheduling, and we talk about budgets, and we talk about all the logistics of running this little family that God has provided us with. It is so important to have a business meeting in your relationship that is separate from a date, in our opinion, and we share that as a tool because what we're trying to accomplish in the business meeting is to look carefully how we walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because we've got a bunch of kids and we've got few minutes. The days are evil. We're raising a family in days that are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we say, God, how is it that you want to lead our family? And so I give that to you as a tool and encourage you to employ it as well. To have a date, but to also have a business meeting. It goes on in this passage, this is 1B in your notes, to describe what controls and characterizes our life. We see this in verses 18 through 20. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it begins by saying, what is in control of your life? It gives an example of one thing, just one thing, that could be in control of your life that would be detrimental, and it's saying being drunk with wine. That is an example of something that can control you that would lead you in a bad way, which is why it uses the word debauchery. Debauchery is the cycle of your own self-destruction. And so it's saying, do not allow something to be in control of your life in that manner. Now, it could be something other than wine. It could be a person is in control of your life. It could be your career is in control of your life. It could be your finances or your, your debt service is in control of your life. Lots of things could be in control of your life. And it's saying, it's saying, don't let something other than the Holy Spirit be in control of your life. But, but be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit of God is in what's control of your life. And when the Spirit of God is in control of your life, what characterizes your life, what comes out of your life, is going to be very remarkably different. And look at what it says. It says, be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in Psalms. When the Spirit of God is filling your life, the Word of God is going to be on your lips, and you'll speak it to one another. It says that you will be uh, addressing one another with hymns. Hymns or songs, put to, you know, Scripture put to song. And spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an incredible attitude, right? There's a perspective. There is gratitude involved. And just uh, when, when, when the Holy Spirit of God fills your life, what pours out of your life is going to be characterized by him, by the Spirit of God. This is one C in your notes, how we interact with other believers. We see this in verse 21. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When I live in willing submission to the Father, it impacts the way I submit to you out of reverence for Christ. When you live in willing submission to the Father, it impacts the way you submit to me out of reverence for Christ. And as a part of the body of Christ, our instruction is to submit to one another out of reverence for him, out of reverence for Christ. There is one leader of the church. His name is Jesus Christ. 
And we are to submit to one another out of reverence for him. Out of acknowledgement and respect and honor for him. We get to 1D in your notes. When we live in willing submission to the Father, it impacts the way a wife is joyfully submitting to her own husband. It says in verse 22 through 23, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And I want to take some time on this verse specifically because this verse is a verse that causes much issue or it brings up much uh, discussion. Uh, and so we want to have a discussion here. I want to have a conversation about some of the issues that are presented when we read this verse to see, that God, to see if God might want to work in our lives in any way as we talk through this. This verse has three parts. Wives, submit is the first part. To your own husbands is the second part. And as to the Lord is the third part. We're going to walk through all three parts together. The first part is wives, submit. It's important to see that it's wives, submit to your own husbands. Not someone else's husband. Not all husbands. It's wives, submit to your own husbands. And this this raises questions or this raises issues. And one of those might be if a Christian wife might say, I don't want to. (laughs) Just having a conversation here, right? Just getting honest. Well, we want to address that together. If a Christian wife were to say, I don't want to submit to the authority that God has placed in the marriage, a Christian wife would not be isolated in that thought. In fact, much of our reality is really permeated by that same struggle, the struggle of submission to authority. It's why, in the context that I already read, Paul looks into the church and he sees Christians not submitting to one another and he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's why after this passage, he looks into Christian homes and he sees children not being obedient to the parents and he says, children, you need to submit to your parents. You need to obey your parents for it's what's right in the Lord. It's why Paul looks into the workplace and he sees Christian workers not being in submission to their overseer and it's why he says, servants, be submissive to your master. It's why Peter, in his first letter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he looks at every human institution, he says, for the Lord's sake, be submissive, be subject to every human institution. It's why in the passage we're looking at right now, which we will address in a moment, Paul looks at the church and he sees places in the church where the church is not living in submission to God. And he says, church, as the church submits to Christ. And so there are a lot of areas where the struggle of um, submission to authority is present in our lives. This verse addresses one of those areas. It addresses one of those things that God is asking. And so it is, wives, submit to your own husbands. And so the next thing that a Christian wife might say is she might say, I can't do that on my own. And I would respond, don't try to. Don't try to do that on your own. We have Jesus Christ who has modeled willing submission to the Father. And Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, lives in a Christian man and lives in a Christian woman. And it is to acknowledge that his power and his strength through the power of the Holy Spirit is present in your life. 
And so instead of trying to muster strength on your own to be obedient to this command, my encouragement would be lean into Jesus. Lean into Jesus Christ and the grace and mercy that Jesus Christ has for you so that his strength, his might, his power would be made available to you so that you could experience the joy that he has for you in the obedience to this command. This command is not dependent on how good the wife is. This command is dependent on how good Jesus Christ is. And obedience to this command is successful because of how good Jesus Christ is, because he is very good. The next phrase is to your own husbands. It brings up another issue. What if my husband is not worth submitting to? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the worthiness of a husband. What makes a husband worthy? Well, worthiness is based on righteousness, and righteousness is based on sinlessness. That's a very short list of husbands. And so we have to back up and say, okay, well, all husbands then are probably on a scale that's more like the unworthiness scale. Where are we on the unworthiness scale? And when we recognize that, we say, okay, a Christian wife is dealing with a husband who's somewhere on the unworthiness scale. How do we address that? Well, Peter acknowledges that, and Peter addresses it in 1 Peter chapter 3. This is not in your notes, but it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, if you want to look it up on your own later. He says, wives, likewise wives, be subject to your own husbands. Same, same phrasing, pretty similar. So that even if some do not obey the word, they're unworthy. They do not obey the word. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And so we see that it is God's desire, even for husbands who, if we can just quote unquote, call them unworthy here for a moment, that even for an unworthy husband, that it would be God's desire that they might come to faith and obedience to Jesus Christ because of what? Because of the witness of their wives. Incredible. Incredible what God wants to accomplish in our relationships. And so this command is not dependent on how good the husband is. This command is dependent on how good Jesus Christ is. It leads us to the third phrase. So it's, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It is so incredibly important that Jesus Christ is the focus of the obedience to this command. Because sometimes we've got to look past the physical line of authority that God has placed in our lives and we've got to look past it and we've got to see Jesus Christ and see that our willing submission is directly to him. And so we see past the Christian husband or we see past the boss or we see past the parent and we look and we say, I'm going to live in willing submission to Jesus Christ even if this is incredibly difficult. Because guess what? This command is difficult. I'm not trying to pretend like this is easy. This is hard. This is incredibly hard. But it's, it, 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 it will be um, not dependent on the worthiness of the wife and it will be not dependent on the worthiness of the husband, but it is possible because of the worthiness of Jesus Christ. 
It is possible because of the grace and the mercy and the righteousness that Jesus provides. And so it's with that heart, it's with that mind that we have to look at this and say, it is for Christ that we are obedient in this way to him. Which includes us being obedient to the human lines of authority that God has placed in all of the environments that we are in. This verse is just addressing one of those. And it is possible when our motivation and our source of strength is Jesus Christ. So we're going to continue on now. It addresses one more thing in this passage in verse uh, 24. And it addresses the church joyfully submitting to Christ. We've kind of already addressed that a little bit. Uh, And it says this. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And so I've this first half here, it's about our willing submission to the Father. And it's, it impacts all relationships. It impacts marriages also. It impacts specifically in that verse a way a wife submits to her husband. We're going to continue to move on to way number two. And Jesus models sacrificial action to the church. Jesus has acted sacrificially for you and he has acted sacrificially for me. And because he has acted sacrificially, how does that impact Marriage, this is way number two, that Jesus models sacrificial action to the church. And in Ephesians chapter five, we'll continue on in verse 25, and it says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The exaltation of Christ is got to be kept in focus as we look at this passage. So, Jesus has modeled, will we follow? When we follow Jesus' example to live in sacrificial action towards the church, how does that impact? It impacts our lives in many ways. This passage addresses so many of them. We're going to pull out a few of them here and we're going to walk through it. And this is 2A in your notes. It impacts the way a husband joyfully is sacrificing for the benefit of his own wife. It says, husbands, love your wives. If the verse stopped right there, wow, that would alleviate a lot of pressure. But that is the beginning of the verse, not the conclusion of the verse. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ who has given the most pure expression of love, the highest sacrifice of love. Christ has set the bar. It is extremely high. The bar is so high that he was the only one who was able to accomplish it so that you and I might have salvation. That's how high that bar is. And Paul writes to the church and he says, love like that, husbands. That makes me feel very inadequate. That is an incredible standard. 
Love like that. As Christ loved the church, gave himself up, what did he do? That he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her, the church, by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The husband does not become the savior of the wife. The point of this passage is, Christ, look how he's loved. Look how he's loved. Husbands love like that. He has sacrificed greatly for us as the church. He has modeled for us incredible sacrificial action. And the command is husbands love in that same way. And all the things we just talked about regarding the wife, they all apply in this moment. And we led to a place of, well, I can't do that. What if I can't get that done? An incredible moment to humble ourselves as husbands and say, God, help. God, I need your help. Because you're asking me to do something only you can do. And so I need you to actually do it in me and through me so that I can be obedient. Humbling ourselves before God is a good place to go. It's the right place to go. And when we read a verse like this that has a challenge that is so incredible, don't ignore it and walk away and forget about it. Lean into Jesus in your need for him and ask him, God, work in me in a way that I can't work on my own. And God, will you do something miraculous in me as a husband that I might be able to love how you would want me to love? Help me understand how to live sacrificially for my wife. Uh, There's a tool that my wife and I employ, another tool I would share with you. And it is a tool that is where my wife uses a phrase. And when my wife uses this phrase, it's a cue to me to help me know that there's an opportunity to show sacrificial action to my wife. And she will say it this way. She will say, my tank is empty. I need my tank to be filled. And that is an invitation to me It is a cue to me as her husband to let me know that there is an opportunity for me to live sacrificially for her, whether it's spending time with her, whether it's doing something with her and the kids, whatever it might be, so that she can get to a place with a smile on her face to say, my tank has been filled up. My tank is full. And so wives, I encourage you to discover a tool that you might be able to use with your husband to help him understand how he might be able to live sacrificially for you. So we continue on in 2B. It says, the experience of unity in a marriage. We see this in verse 28. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is not selfishness. This is not talking about a selfish husband. This is talking about a husband and wife who are in complete unity, that they are in one flesh And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. In 2C, it says, A husband nourishing and cherishing his own wife. We see this in verses 29 and 30. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. The idea of nourishing is to care, to provide, to feed, to supply, 
to make sure it's healthy, to make sure it's growing, nourishing. Cherishing is the holding of value and to value something very highly and to put it in high esteem. Cherishing is kind of a word that's been lost, but it's a word that represents putting a high value on what is being cherished. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. And then 2D in your notes, the formation of family, both physically and spiritually. It says this in 31 and 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father, his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Christ and his exaltation is in view here the entire time. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about this design that is laid out in verse 31. There's three stages to this design that God explains in this verse. The first stage to the design is, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. That's stage one, leaving the family of origin. Stage two is described as holding fast to his wife. There's a level of commitment. There's a level of covenant here. It's, it's marriage to hold fast. First to leave, then to hold fast. The third stage here is the two shall become one flesh. And this is referring to something that is far greater than just intimacy and physical union. It is unity and unifying in Christ, in his covenant for marriage. I want to propose to you that God's design has order to it. Leave your father and mother, hold fast to your wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And I want to propose to you that our culture has seen the order and design that God has for marriage relationship, and our culture has decided to love that design backwards and in reverse to where our culture, the first thing our culture wants is to become the two to become one flesh. And that is what's pursued and prioritized to be the first step in the relationship. Then maybe if stage three goes okay, maybe we'll go back to stage two and decide if whether or not we want to hold fast to one another and whether or not we want to make a commitment and a covenant and enter into marriage together. And we'll see how stage two goes and just maybe, just possibly, just eventually, maybe we get to stage one and we decide to leave our father and mother. I would propose to you that God set this up in order to be a blessing, to be a blessing to you, to be a blessing for your family. But our culture has said we want to do it backwards, we want to do it in reverse. And I suggest that the issues that we see that are present that are so damaging in our culture is because our culture has perversed the order that God has designed. One of the things that my wife and I have had to learn is we've had to learn how do we receive grace first from Jesus Christ? That our lives would be impacted by his grace before we can give that grace to the other person. My encouragement to you would be that each and every day the most important thing you do would be to humble yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ, to be in his word and to be in prayer and to ask that his grace would transform you so that you would have something to give to your spouse.
We're going to close with a song, point three here. Way number three is really a recap of the first two. Jesus models love and respect for marriage. Love is sacrificial action. Respect is willing submission. And in verse 33... Jesus says, or in this passage here, it says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so a wife needs to receive love, sacrificial action from her own husband. Why? Because in the passage here, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Why? Because that's what she needs you to do. That's what she needs from you. Or 3B, a husband needs to receive respect, willing submission from his own wife. The passage say, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Why? Because that's what he needs from you. God is not trying to trick anyone here. He's making it clear and he's laying it out in the passage. And he's saying, this is what you're going to need. And so this is what the command is because this is actually what you need. Uh, Here in the worship center, we're going to close with a song. And the song is about the church as a bride waiting for the groom. Can we all agree on this? Can we all agree that the ultimate end of your life is not ultimately about you, but it's about the glory of God? Can we agree on that together? This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. If it is true that the ultimate end of your life is not about you, it's about the glory of God, then would it not also be true that the ultimate end of your marriage is not about your marriage? It is about the glory of God. And here, as we close in this series and we close our service today, may we turn our attention to the marriage that is to come between the bride, who is the church, and the groom, who is Jesus Christ. And we would turn our attention and say, Lord, may we be like a bride waiting for the groom. And we're ready for you. I hope this song is an encouragement to you. It might be familiar to you. It might not. You can sit and listen. If you want to sing along, you can. But I hope that it's encouragement to you as we have our focus be on Jesus Christ.
stand together as we close our gathering today. Aren't you glad we have hope in Jesus? That's great. He has given us grace and he has given us mercy and he has invited us to obey him joyfully and he has provided himself. God the Father chose to provide God the Son as our solution. And so everything that we have need for, he becomes the supply. Father, Lord, we're so grateful. God, we love you. Today is really meant to be an expression. This is a worship gathering. We've gathered to worship you. It's an expression of our love to you. And Lord, with the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside the Christian man and in the Christian woman, God, would it lead and guide us that we might live in such a way that is in submission to God the Father. And it is in action that is sacrificial towards others. That we would live in love. So Lord, we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our God and our Savior. And all God's family said, amen. Have a wonderful day today. Our team is available to pray if you'd like to pray.